Please stand for the hearing of the gospel. This is from the gospel according to St. John from the 8th chapter. Jesus said to the Judeans who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, You will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. One of the things that we remember about our heritage on this Reformation Sunday is that we are part of a Protestant movement within Christianity. From the very beginning, that is the term that was used to describe people like Martin Luther and his allies. Today, Barbara Brown Taylor writes, Luther and his associates were protesters. They stood up against the religious conventions of the day, arguing on behalf of those suffering under religious, social, and economic oppression. She goes on to say that the original Protestants preached, taught, and argued for spiritual, economic, and political freedom, and for God's justice to be embodied in the church and in the world. When I read that quote, I could not help but think of all the passionate protests that are happening around the world, even just in this month of October. Given all the drama that's happening in our nation's capital, we tend to get so focused on that sometimes that we lose sight of all of these other things that are happening. Just in October alone, mass protests have been taking place, sometimes with more than a million people at a time, in places like Ecuador and Chile and Argentina and Spain and Hong Kong and Lebanon and Iraq, to name just a few. And they are all a response to the oppression that people are experiencing. A BBC News article last week tried to describe the common themes that are found in almost all of these protests that are happening around the world. And when I read it, it was a sad reminder of how little some things have changed. Corruption, inequality, and lack of freedom seem to be the big three issues that people are experiencing in every place where these protests are happening. In other words, people are still suffering under the same forms of oppression that inspired all of those 16th century Protestants to stand up to power and to demand justice. Some of you might remember that people from our own Protestant denomination took to the streets of Milwaukee this last summer. 
in a mass protest that coincided with our ELCA churchwide assembly. Carrying signs that were meant to put the protest back in Protestant, Lutherans marched to the offices of Immigration and Customs Enforcement in downtown Milwaukee, and they even posted 9.5 theses to the door there of the office. And in her address to the crowd, our presiding bishop, Elizabeth Eaton, said, Martin Luther wanted to make it clear that there is no barrier, no boundary between the believer and between God, and that nothing should stand in the way. In the same way, she said, there should be no boundary between those who are seeking freedom and opportunity and safety. In some ways, from the outside, it could be viewed as just a group of self-righteous, self-congratulatory bunch of liberals who think they know all the answers and who look smugly down their nose at the bad people who are causing all of this injustice to happen. But the first of those 9.5 theses that was posted on the door of the ICE office in Milwaukee was taken directly from Martin Luther's first thesis of his 95. And it said, when our Lord Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be repentance. And so that first petition said, we repent of our silence of our indifference, and of our lack of courage. It sounded a lot like the confessions that we make every week in Lutheran congregations around the world. Because for us, telling the truth about our sin is inseparable from the call to see sin and name it in the world around us. Otherwise, we do become like the people in our gospel story today who say they really have no need for Jesus' freedom or liberation because they aren't slaves, they say, to anyone or anything. St. Paul shines light on that kind of thinking in that second reading today when he says there is no distinction, no distinction among us since all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. But telling the truth about our sin is very uncomfortable for most of us. And especially in a society that promotes self-awareness and self-care and self-esteem, sin is just not a popular topic unless, unless it's about someone else's sin. Then we're able to point it out and to name it very easily. In a recent sermon on this topic, a pastor named Nadia Bowles Weber talked about her own resistance to this as a young person. When I first experienced the confession and absolution in a Lutheran liturgy, she said, I thought it was hogwash. I hated the part where everyone in church stood up and said what bad people they are and the pastor from the distance of the chancel in the purity of a white robe said, God forgives you. She went on to describe how she was falsely equating sinner with bad person. And the moment of transformation for her, 
she said, came when that was broken open and she was able to see sin as a force that binds people who are created first in God's beautiful image. And as Martin Luther said, curves us in on ourselves in ways that leave us without a thought for God or for our neighbor. If we are going to be agents of God's change in the world, acknowledging that is an essential starting point for us every single day. Otherwise, we do become just a bunch of smug liberals or conservatives or religious folk who listen a lot more to our own voices and not to the radical call of God and Jesus Christ. In the end, that truth also of our own sin is just a starting point. It is never, never the truth that frees us. <laughs> That's an important truth, but it is not the truth that sets us free. It's not the truth that empowers us to be agents of God's healing work in the world. The truth that really frees us is that truth of God's unconditional love and grace for all people in all times and places. A grace that is never ever conditional upon our successes and our failures. As you have probably experienced, that is just as important to us as it was to people like Martin Luther. Remembering the big picture of his life today, his failure to condemn the sin of anti-Semitism in his time is a painful counterpart to all of the successes, the successful advocacy that he did on behalf of so many other oppressed people longing to be free. And that reality of that mix of success and failure in a person like that is a reminder to all of us to cling to the gospel of forgiveness and grace even more. Because without it, I think we might all just choose the safest path we can every day so that we don't end up on the wrong side of something. But with that freedom, with that grace, we are free to throw ourselves into God's fight against all of those things that defy God and rebel against God in our world. I like the way that Barbara Brown Taylor concluded her message to us in an article that I quoted earlier. The heart of Protestantism, she says, is the courage to challenge injustice and to give voice to people who have no voice. Protestantism opened access for all people to experience God's grace and God's bounty. And then speaking directly to us as a member of another church body, she says, Protestant friends, the world needs you. You are the heirs of those who once took to the streets to bring about God's reign here on earth. You resisted oppression. You stood for justice. Do that again, please, she says. I won't prescribe where and when and how that will 
come forth in your lives and what that will look like. I do know the Spirit of God moves in many diverse ways and moves differently in all our lives, awakening us to see needs around us and to stir us up to respond in faith. I will say that I am very happy to be a part of a congregation that gives us so many ways to do that together as God's people, including a letter-writing campaign today on behalf of all of those who don't have enough food to eat as we gather here. To me, that is another good example of what true protest is all about. Because in the end, protest is not just about what we stand against. Even much more importantly, it is about what we stand for. That is the pro in that word. It is about what we put ourselves out there for, what we stand for as our dream, too, of God's justice. When Martin Luther went before those unjust leaders of his time, it was his moment to say that, not just to say what he was against, but to say ultimately what he stood for. And in those three little words that spread like wildfire throughout his homeland, he simply said, here I stand. It was his way of saying that he stood for the truth of God's unconditional love and grace and for the truth of God's dream of a world without inequality and without corruption and without bondage of any kind. It was his way also of saying that he was fully invested, right? Fully invested in this dream of God and that he would stake his life on it no matter what the consequences. And that too is our heritage, not just from these Protestant reformers. That heritage, above all for us, goes back to Jesus. Jesus is the one who made the ultimate sacrifice for what he stood for, for God's justice and God's peace and God's love and grace in this world. And he is the one we follow above all in our commitment to that. It is a high calling. And maybe each day as we get up, it seems impossible. But all we need to do really is answer each day in the same way that the confirmation students will answer a question posed to them today about their calling. All we need to do is say, yes, and I ask God to help and to guide me. Thanks be to God.